There's just no reason not to drive towards something in life. There is a storm coming, big time. His name is Storm. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max Podcasting. And you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 141, and today's guest is Storm Anderson, as if he needed a last name. Storm is an incredibly fascinating person and entrepreneur who is the co-founder and partner at Kumo Partners. He also has invented Cavebox. He has many, many experiences in the entrepreneurial and tech space. And Storm and I go way back. I think we first met in finite math class uh, freshman year at IU. He also happens to be from the same high school as my freshman year roommate, Christian. And where Storm and I really became tight was the summer after junior year, where we both had the same awesome internship at RAP down in Dallas, Texas. We were tasked with creating a millennial strategy for Brinker International, aka Chili's, and it was just an incredible summer, an incredible project, really, really cool internship. In this episode, we talk Chili's, no, just kidding, Storm's startup tips, which has a lot of S's in it, what exactly he and team do at Kumo Partners and making businesses more efficient, etc., and some classic spontaneous moments from the life of Storm. It is Storm, and he always brings the thunder and the lightning, and sometimes even hail. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Storm Anderson, the partner, co-founder of Kumo Partners, one of my favorite buddies we go way 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 back i kind of got stuck there in the word way but storm this is so cool so fun to reconnect thank you so much for joining how you doing today hey max i'm doing uh i'm doing pretty awesome man it's uh super exciting to just be able to talk with you again yeah catch up since you know being in dallas however many years ago so yeah i I don't even know it was like three four decades ago maybe and we were just baby no but i want to start off with one of my favorite memories of you from Dallas, just to, to paint a little picture of who you are, what your personality is. It was some random night. We were having dinner and drinks kind of with our group of interns, the rappers, rap hypheners. We were at some bar and there was a musician playing. He was playing guitar, just one guy. And he stopped to take a break. Kind of without hesitation, you saw the guitar sitting there by itself in an empty microphone and you went up and asked the guy, hey, you mind if I play this for a little bit? And we were all like, the rest of the interns were kind of like nervous and were like, oh, what, what's going on? And you were just like, no, no, I'll, you know, I'll play. And the guy's like, uh, sure. And next thing we know, we look up and there's, <laughs> there you are. Storm is up there playing music on someone else's instrument and just playing the song Blackbird perfectly. And it was just blown. I just never seen kind of that initiative and in, in somebody do that before. It was so cool. Where did that come from? 
You know, that's that's hilarious that uh, you could pull a memory that I haven't thought about in a long time. But yeah, I, I remember that bar and that moment very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, man, it's it's always come just from the spontaneity side of it. I think that kind of ties and is probably a good way to, to talk about how I feel with creativity. It's almost a little bit of uh, an ADD mixed with, hey, that looks like it's fun and cool to do. Why don't, uh, why don't you just take a shot at it? Yeah, I've, I've played guitar and music for so long. And uh, maybe we had a drink or two or three at that point, and I figured, hey, why not? Let's uh, let's play a little music, show you guys uh, a little bit of what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I I love that spontaneous spontaneity desire. I'm sure that's what we'll call it. It's uh, I think it's a really great way to approach life and different sort. You know, can create a lot of fun, a lot of adventures. Have you always been that way? I think so. Yeah, I would say uh, ever since I was a kid, uh, I've always just tried to find things around me or when I go to my dad's shops all the time with him when I was young, I just play with duct tape and paper and kind of just create stuff. It's uh, yeah, I'd say it's always probably been in my bones to just find stuff around me and kind of mess around with it. (laughs) See, see what it can do. What does playing with duct tape look like? I mean, I'm envisioning like a scene from the mummy. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I ever got that far, but I'd create wallets. I'd create little houses. I'd create uh, random notebooks of paper with more duct tape on it. You know, it's uh, it, it, I've gotten more creative with the duct tape, I'd say. But at the time, it was just kind of building whatever came to mind. More Lego type building with duct tape, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Lego duct tape, duct tape and Legos. There's so many wonderful memories from that time and we had met before, but we didn't really become friends until kind of that internship experience. And uh, it was magical. And, and shout out our managing director at the time, Tracy Brown, who has also been on this podcast, CEO of the American Diabetes Association back in episode 32, major throwback, wonderful experience. And I could see at the time that you had such an interest in entrepreneurship and creativity and and that we'd get along great. And then fast forward, I think it was literally the next semester or two after that, that you had started Cavebox while at IU. How do you look back on the Cavebox experience? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because, uh, yeah, especially with time now, it's, it's interesting to think they seem to, there seemed to be more time between rap and Cavebox. But really, I think, you know, I, I'll give credit to the rap team where they really lit that fire under me and then coming back senior year, going to IU for Cavebox, I was, I was ready to hit the ground running with something creative like that. Cavebox was really that first bite into, hey, let's, let's actually try and make something and, uh, you know, really try and turn it into a business model of sorts. That was my first experience into saying, how, how does something become more than just creative? Like I said, playing with duct tape. And now how, how do you generate revenue? How do you, you know, start to bring in and consider costs and how you're going to turn that around? And I, I had a great partner that I was working with, Sam at the time, who really was the one I think that kind of helped me. He was the one a little above me with the experience and understanding and helped me kind of catch up to him. And it, it was a wild ride, man, especially senior year. I was, I was doing so many different things, trying to be a part of, I was leading the entrepreneurship club. I was trying to run a business. I was helping trying to also get a job, even though that was kind of backwards with what I was trying to do with Cavebox. <laughs> that first step as a project of trying to run a business, that that's where I just have such fond memories of it, even if it wasn't uh, you know, the most profitable and turning that into a, a recurring revenue, if you will. It, it was definitely the one where I was just like, all right, hey, here's everything around me and I got someone I can partner with. Let's just do stuff. 
we were able to build a lot of traction around that. But of course, you know, as much hype and excitement as you can get, there's still a lot to figure out from that cost and, and actually convincing people to buy your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember just how inspiring it was to, to see you and, and Sam and team literally, you know, create this, take this from idea to business while in college. And like, while, you know, I was somebody who in the same boat as you, uh, you know, love the CEO Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization Club and, and, you know, very busy applying for jobs as well. And the thought of like throwing a business into the mix, like your own business into the mix there was just like mind blowing to me. I always thought it was so cool <laughs> for anybody who didn't uh, attend IU at the same exact timing as us. What's kind of your, your one line explanation of, of what Cavebox delivered? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's got to be uh, one of my favorite things to always bring up in class, but it was, uh, we keep men fresh in the man cave. <laughs> which, which is a, a serious problem. No, it, it is very cool. And I remember when you signed up, you get a cave box of all sorts of different kind of, I don't know if you call them grooming or, or hygiene products for men, but it was a cool idea. And there was, there was a lot of excitement around it. What ultimately was kind of the the downfall or biggest challenge that kind of brought the the man cave box to a stop? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. And especially since then, I've thought about it so many different ways, you know, as, as we uh, kind of change our perspective and learn more, especially going and now having Kumo partners. I think one of the biggest things I've really noticed uh, with the difference there your one, your hunger for selling and how much that really takes and how many conversations you really have to have with people to actually validate your selling process. I, I think at least for me, that was one part that I noticed. I Maybe not, let's call it a failure, but learning point for me for sure, right, was I definitely didn't put myself in front of enough people trying to sell the product. Maybe I was talking about the business. Maybe I was talking about, you know, it, all the excitement and energy around it. But when it comes down to it, that selling conversation is the most critical part of any idea's launch. And I can tell you right now, as much as that was a consumer product, <laughs> and I should have been talking to hundreds of people about selling the consumer product, um, even though I'm in the more of the business, you know, the B2B space now, I've talked to probably quadruple, maybe even five times the number of people about trying to sell my services now. And that's where I can tell I just never had that volume of conversation to really validate the idea. Um, and, and I think that was where we had traction, but we really couldn't put together the whole selling conversation and then just triplicate how, how many times we're having that conversation with people. And I, I think that's where we, we just didn't generate enough revenue because of that. Yeah, I think that's a a super strong point. The fact that you're quadrupling, quintupling what you were doing before, I think restates that point even more. If there's something you're working on and trying to get it out to the world, that sales part, the selling part is such a big factor of that. And you don't really realize it until uh, you think you've done enough. And then wait a second, we could do way, way, way more, way more. I'm just going to get stuck on the word way again. Let's get to Kumo. Kumo Partners. Cool name to begin with. What does Kumo mean? Ah, thank you. Uh, well, so fun fact, since I learned Japanese for six years when I was younger, I've been trying to find business names that either use, you know, Japanese or music or any other aspect of what I've learned. Kumo actually translates to cloud. 
And so since Office 365 is also Microsoft's kind of cloud offering, where it essentially translates to where your cloud partners. Very cool. You know, if you want, we could do the rest of this in Japanese. The only thing that would happen is I wouldn't understand any of it and it would be very one-sided. Kumo, see, I'm speaking it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's it's a cool name and it and it's a really fun fit with it. It's, it's neat that you kind of have had a desire to name a company something like this for so long. Where did this interest in the cloud, Microsoft's different products, where did this start to gain traction and become something that you're excited about? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, as I, I think it's quite frankly always been there. More than anything, it's the problem solving. And, and that's what I think I've really understood more and more, you know, going from Cavebox where it's like, what am I selling? And that's where I learned and I could understand a consumer product and how we're trying to build that offering together. But really what's come together with Kumo, I would argue, is that more than anything, we've just learned a platform where we can be incredibly effective at problem solving for people. And that's when those conversations that I've talked about with selling, I've just had more and more conversations that really are just me talking with business owners from, I've worked with real estate agents now, I've worked with uh, massive analytics companies that work for you know the Fed and are doing a lot of work for them, uh, Fortune 500 companies. Everyone has problems, <laughs> especially business problems, nah, right? No, no, no. We're all good. We're all good. And so that's that's really kind of what we've been able to validate, right, is from the offering and the idea, we know really well how to help people solve their business problems. And more than anything, it's their process. And as much as we've worked with maybe a maybe not a hundred, but we've worked with so many different industries that have all these, you know, abbreviations and terms. I've done this for a couple of years with a larger firm and then we broke off. It's almost funny because over and over, you just realize that everyone kind of has the same processes. They just label things differently. But a lawyer is working with matters, a real estate agent is working with properties, you know, a HR team is working with uh, employees or resources and a big uh, company. I've started to look past the abbreviations and it's making me more and more and my partners as well. We've just gotten better and better at understanding, hey, don't focus on the minute stuff. Let's really get down to the business problem that you have. And that's where it's just been growing, especially in this time frame. Really, we've been able to help people more and more with that. There's something to be said for helping out those in a number of different industries. I think having that variety, even if it's similar problems that you are solving and there's kind of the same mission behind everything, it is really cool to have variety and, and work with people in so many different sectors. I, I know that kind of naturally adds more life to it. For someone who's not familiar with Office 365, the power platforms, how would you kind of explain it in uh, layman's terms of what you actually do with Kumo? Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's what the, the answer and I guess the question we've been refining and practicing uh, how to really answer that. But it, here you go. No pressure. First in Japanese and then. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's it's interesting because I've been following Microsoft and I started at IU as an Excel nerd. Right. And that's I think was my first step into the Microsoft space. And. I don't think I've ever looked back since I uh, realized Excel was my game. It's it's incredible to see how they've really evolved this idea of, you know, collaboration, people working with each other, trying to, you know, whether it's documents, Word file, Excel, PowerPoint, right? And so with Office 365, what they've been able to really do is 
you know, create a space and a platform for anyone from the smallest of businesses to, you know, literally the fortune 10, I think if I remember right of the fortune 500, it's almost like 90% now has adopted office 365. They're really, really slack in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That 10%, they really got to work on, but, uh, and you know, one might say monopoly and scream that kind of thing, but at the same time, just how well they've been able to perfect this tooling and technology. You know, half of our success is because the platform really is easy to build anything, whether it's simple things for how you interact. You know, the simplest example we have is like the PTO uh, approval process, right? I think I've built that thing 50 different times now for 50 different clients. And every single one of them has tinkered and tweaked it, you know, to some degree or another. But yeah, I I guess to try and summarize it, really, it's, you know, from there's two parts, Office 365 is where if you want to work on your Word document, PowerPoint, like I was saying, that creates such an easy space. And the licensing for that is so affordable for even the smallest businesses, five bucks a month, and you can do everything we do. And that just covers everything you would need to manage your business, which is pretty incredible. And so from the power platform, what that really enables, you know, Kuma partners, uh, my team to do is really then build kind of this automation and uh, different ways to optimize what you have and make it easier for you to kind of run your business processes on top of Office 365. And that's where with everyone moving to... A lot of people went remote and didn't know how to keep those processes going, especially ones that were paper-based, right? If they were so used to 40 years handing paper to each other to approve something, mm. now they're on remote, they don't know how to do that. And, and, and we've been helping a lot of businesses try and understand how to convert those processes to something more virtual and realistically simplifying them in the same way as well. So basically, this stuff can be really, really complicated. And what you guys do is make it simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely an easier, more front end or, you know, end user version of it people can use, which is great. But when it comes to, yeah, the more critical processes that's running someone's business, that's where we just, yeah, we, we really help them get it up there, get it running and and make sure it's running smoothly. (laughs) Just get it up there. Just make something happen. Where did you first see validation that? You know, you could build a business off of this. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's interesting to think about because I had been trying to do either web development. Uh, So, you know, I I graduated six years ago. And even when I was doing CaveFox, I was trying to do web development projects to, you know, just kind of make some money on the side, live the whole gig economy lifestyle, if you will. While playing uh, Beatles songs on your guitar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If only I could make more money doing the Beatles songs, maybe this uh, could be a little more exciting of a conversation. <laughs> uh, there's there's no hope, Storm. Yeah. <laughs> but it, so I, I was always trying to do web, you know, classic web development. That's even what we were doing, Max, right? I was like, okay, I love, I love the web medium. I love building interfaces and how, designing how people interact with something. But the one thing I always noticed, especially while I was doing this on the side for, you know, last five, six years with web development, there's such a additional time factor for creating something. Even if you're the best web developer in the West, you know, there's still just time for standing up the website, standing up the hosting, standing up the back end, what you're going to do with the data structure. You know, it's just time, 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 time. 
that was always what was beating me up because I was finding myself, okay, I'll work nine to five doing my other consulting and then let me go do these web projects. But they would take, you know, it was just killing my time. It wasn't really validating itself. I, I was just getting burnt out and frustrated being like, okay, I thought this was where I was wanting to take this. And it's, it's not really proving out to be, you know, the most profitable. But when I started doing power platform projects on the side, I could realize that I could cut my time down almost a 10th of the time for some of these situations, get just as much value to the client, make them even happier because it's that much faster. And that's where I started noticing, wow, these are great to build. I enjoy it. Uh, it's very effective for the client. They're not paying for a website now. That is, you know, if it, as things upgrade, right? In a year, I might have to come back and it's going to be uh, an outdated piece of crap, if you will. That's, that was gone, moving to the power platform and building power apps and flow. Uh, now it's called Power Automate. So it, I just noticed these side projects starting to pop up as the platform got more validated. And that's where I noticed, wow, these side projects are actually putting money in my pocket, making me feel good about what I'm doing. I definitely want to try and push this more and more. And that's where me and uh, two of my the, the business partners I have, John and Ethan, we just started talking about this as we've noticed it more. And it was like, man, these, these side projects are, are looking really nice. And eventually we found a big uh, fish, if you will, to really try and help them and see how big we can go with it. And that's where once that happened, we realized that, okay, we, we started a, a small avalanche. Now let's try and write it to the bottom instead of just watching it uh, take off, if you will. I am all for That was like four metaphors in one. I'm all for it. <laughs> you got the big fish. What has been most helpful, you know, looking back, I know, I know it's early days of your company, but starting from nothing, what has been most helpful in getting more and more fish? You know, that is uh, also a great question. You, you have a bunch Thank of you. great you're, questions. You're, full, you're just full of compliments. <laughs> you know your platforms and you know your compliments. That's Storm in a nutshell. Yeah. That's, that's what we always say. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I could split it into two parts. Um, one, and my partners aren't next to me, but they'd get a little kick out of this. I think really having the partners, um, having John and Ethan and all three of us be able to work together. And, uh, you know, it helps that we knew each other before, but us having the three of us to really vet everything, to understand either from how we value ourselves to being able to just have someone else to bounce ideas off of. I, I think one of my favorite examples is even though, you know, those side projects I was loving, as much as I love the technology and I'm really more the nerd of the three of us, I was always the one that couldn't push our value of our rate up. Uh, how could I charge for $40 an hour, right? Like to me, that was just seeming so high for what we do. Ethan was really the one that would always help John and I, at least in the very beginning, be like, no, 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 guys, you know, look at the value we're offering. Look at how much these people appreciate what we're doing. When we would just then start challenging and say, okay, well, let's let's push the number up, right? And that's that's that whole selling validation part, which was, if we were charging only 40 bucks an hour, I, I would not be sitting here uh, with our own company. But because we've been able to talk to so many clients, make so many proposals and estimates, we've been able to push that number up uh, almost triple of what I thought our value was. Wow! And that came out of the three of us, not putting heads together in a bad way by any means. If anything, us being able to always check each other and some of us having you know more risk than the others and 
some of us having more IT experience than the others. I, I think we really created a, a tripod, if you will, that our <laughs> businesses, uh, at least our internal management of it, I think is pretty sound. And I, I would say I really am thankful that you know I have partners as as much as it can be stressful having the partners and being able to have partners that you can just have honest conversations with almost every day. Um, we all go into the office every day, Monday through Thursday, just and that makes a thousand times difference too. I, I think to summarize is yeah, find people that are excited about an idea with you and meet up every day. <laughs> the virtual does not work amazing. You can make it work, but if you really want to build something. You got to be in the same room with each other a lot. And I, I think that's what, you know, really gave us the pivotal move to go on our own. I'm all for the tripod. Shout out Austin Powers, and, you know, everyone in the greater Austin Powers universe. But uh-huh. but that's that, that's so key. There's so much you can learn from others. And I'm the same. When it comes to, I enjoyed what you said about pricing or, or value, valuizing, valuating yourself. Yeah valuing <laughs> whatever the hell that word is <laughs> i'm the same way with pricing because i think you and i are a similar storm in that we're naturally like very nice people and i think always you know generous and willing to help out and i think when you start your business and kind of start charging people i mean i've seen this myself often it's like you feel like you don't want to overcharge but you're too hesitant you're nowhere near as aggressive as you should be with pricing yep because you're not thinking of it from the value side. You know, your partners were really helpful in telling to you. So I think it is, that's so common, you know, especially for new entrepreneurs or like with a new company or new line of business to totally undervalue themselves. And obviously that's just not, that's just not the way it should be. It's not a sustainable way. So I think that's really, really important insight you got. When you look back at your career and, you know, even growing up or into college, like, you know, there's examples of you being interested in entrepreneurship uh, you mentioned the uh, Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization CEO. I think you're like probably the only person that can say you were president of the CEO. <laughs> but you had the interest in entrepreneurship. You know, you started a business in college. You're running a business now. All sorts of different things in the innovation space. What would you tell yourself, you know, as a kid who's about to go to college and kind of start that chapter of life? What would you tell yourself about the entrepreneurship space? In a, in a crazy way, I, I would almost not do it any differently. I, I think really what I maybe would have said to myself a little bit earlier than I, I kind of did because my freshman, sophomore year, I wasn't in, I, I only played on the ultimate Frisbee team. I was hanging out with the dudes. I, I was having a blast, you know, but I, I could tell that even though I was doing fine in school, it, it was more a lack of applying what I was learning in school that really kind of was just like, well, what am I here for? What am I doing? I know I love entrepreneurship, right? Um, and I, I could tell you some funny stories of uh, what some of my earlier businesses were, maybe not for this podcast, but <laughs> it, it, you know, I was really trying to find, I know I love Excel and I was sitting there in my sophomore year saying, I love Excel, but what the heck do I do with this? And so thank God, uh, you know, I really got that rap experience because working with the team there, working with Josh Phipps, who is just hands down one of the first best mentors I ever had for this. Mm, yeah, he, he was really able awesome. to kind of give me the structure and kind of ideas of like, hey, there's a, there's a role and a position of someone who develops and builds ideas. And then as, when he validated that there is a position or you know a skill set that does that, I, I think that's what really sunk it in for me. But going back to your question, I, I think I would say get involved 
earlier and get involved as in, in anything, something as fast as you can, because once I joined uh, the tech management club my junior year, right as I started, that's where I could tell, okay, I, I want to do this. Uh, and as I got involved with other people, then that's when it opened up my network more. And then that's where by senior year, you know, I was, I was kind of leading three different organizations while running a business, um, while trying to graduate and get a job. <laughs> and so <laughs> maybe I wouldn't have squeezed that all so aggressively or so densely if maybe I tried to start that, you know, maybe two years earlier, but yeah, I think it's just get involved, right, man. That's where, that's where you find the other people and you start to find the business partners that you could start talking to ideas about. Um, I I think that's really it is don't be afraid to share your ideas because the more I opened up, the more I realized and kind of found uh, how to apply my skill set into the kind of role I wanted to be in. And then you finally opened up and, and shared your cave box with the world. Ooh, that got a little spicy. Whenever you're sharing something with the world, you want to make sure it's good quality. Same thing applies for your podcast. When you create a podcast for your brand, for your business, and get it out into the world, that quality is going to get noticed. That quality is going to make a difference for better or for worse. If you want help creating the best quality podcast you can, but not spending all the seconds, minutes, I guess seconds again, creating that podcast behind the scenes, email me at max at maxpodcasting.com. I'll bring your podcast to life and we'll take a ton off your plate, a ton of the weight off your shoulders. Email me at max at maxpodcasting.com. Now back to the storm where we dig a little bit more into how he stays inspired and what you can do as well. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get to inspiration and creativity. Would love to dive into people, hobbies, resources, other than those you've already mentioned. Are there any key business or entrepreneurship thought-provoking inspirations in your life? Yeah, I'd say there's a few. Some are probably corny, but uh, I'm probably saying this for uh, making my partnership look better. But honestly, half following Microsoft's kind of vision, what Satya has been doing with Microsoft uh, from the partner space and just kind of looking at it from that view and seeing, you know, a little bit of what it looked like for Google and partnering with them and my other firm uh, and kind of partnering with the other tech platforms. Microsoft has been doing such a sound job of really building this community feedback cycle of, hey, you know, the platform's not doing this or I would love if it does this. And they take that and take very seriously and everything that the platform that i build on right our platform office 365 is growing on is based on prioritized valued input from its clients you know to me that's consulting 101 um, and the fact that microsoft has been able to build that into the platform that serves all the consultants and all the companies you know what i mean and they can make it as sound as it is it's pretty impressive groups of people uh, could come together to create such an offering. Like I said, my business is built on that. So it really kind of inspires me and, and makes me think that we're following the right path for how to structure ourselves. But outside of Microsoft, I'd say Elon is is probably the other one who just doesn't let anything bother him. The SEC hates him. You know, our general <laughs> half of the automobile industry hates him, but yet they can't stop him and he isn't bothered by it at all, right? He just loves his work, enjoys his work. And to me, that's where it's like, yes, don't focus on the petty stuff. I get people might hate you for this, that or the other, but he is he's a rock when it comes to 
what people want to try and say about him. He's not flinched. And I, you know, I, I, I definitely look up to that as well. My two inspirations off the top of my head, at least. Yeah, very well. You're you're a wonderful partner, you know, a wonderful uh, you know, supporter for Tesla. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, two fantastic examples. That Elon literally, you know, is a rock, is a rocket ship himself. I mean, who knows, you know, what's going to transpire over the next few decades um, that come out of that guy's mind? It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So what about hobbies? So you've kind of already mentioned on this call everything from duct tape creations to you know interest in music playing instruments things like that what are your favorite hobbies you know overall when it comes to keeping your mind fresh and and staying creative yeah honestly i i mean you kind of stole a little bit of my answer there but it's it's really the music man damn it that has been (laughs) (laughs) it's it's really been just kind of the driver of i'd say all my creativity um and maybe more it's just been the the first medium i ever used to kind of translate the the larger energies if you will that drive us uh music has always been something i've always been able to use to you know kind of balance my head get my flow back if you will when it comes to hard times and stuff like that I, i'd say really music is, is kind of the foundation of everything for me and flow I, I remember in college your flow like your hair was was out of this world so it probably <laughs> helped help from that you know it was a good fit from that perspective as well what is it about music that kind of makes you feel fulfilled it's probably something more intangible but i'll I'll certainly try and qualify it It, it's something to do with just the you know it's not this kind of podcast but i've always looked at things (laughs) as energy right energy has really kind of always been my way of communicating how i feel or how things interact with each other whether you know people or things and uh, people and items what have you but uh that's that's really where music has kind of just always been a way to help me either correct energy or build energy or kind of pivot my energy feeling down. That's where music can help me kind of really change my point of view or bring me around to, you know, maybe appreciating the perspective I'm kind of getting, or if I'm going to a concert, right. That's where I can really just clear out the gunk of uh, all the time and stress before that point. It's really that kind of resetter and kind of grand button of a storm of, Okay, Storm, you want to feel better? Here, let's let's listen to some music. Or you want to have fun? All right, let's listen to some music. <laughs> let's play <laughs> guitar or learn piano. So yeah, it's it's I've been trying to learn piano the last three years now. I took some lessons for a year and a half. So I've been playing that more. I've, yeah, I've just been I've been uh, producing music. I was DJing with uh, my buddy Ethan before uh, COVID hit. We'd uh, DJ on a boat during the summertime. So. It yeah, it's that's where music is always. If I could get back to that, that's that's when I'll be happy again. <laughs> Storm, you should try out this music thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's you know it has pretty cool effects when you listen to it. I, I'm totally with you. I mean, you've obviously taken it to like a incredibly new level, like performing parties on boats. I mean, I remember those Instagram stories and really cool videos. There is something so energizing about music, and you often forget. Like I find myself forgetting. You know, sometimes if I'm if I'm tired. Or like bogged down on a certain certain day and need to pick me up, dude. You sh- like I should have been blasting music for the last hour. Yep, it has a great effect. And on the resources standpoint, I've noticed that as part of you know being a Microsoft partner and as part of building your business, there's all these sort of tests and certifications that 
have, I'm sure like have consumed your life, but you know, you're knocking them out. How, how is that process of getting kind of more certifications and I don't know if you want to call them accolades or whatever you want to call it, but getting those stamps of approval and learning, how's that been? It's been good. And, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's definitely been tricky because part of the power apps, you know, the, just the platform that I build on and the solutions that I build half of it for me, you know, as I talk about music, that's, I, I didn't want to say building this stuff is also half of my hobby in life, but uh, <laughs> uh, just building these kinds of apps and automations um, that, that I can just flow with it. Right. And so there's that flow word again. Yeah, exactly. Flow and energy is pretty much my life and <laughs> how, I, how I think of everything. So, <laughs> you know, with, with the training and certification, it's definitely been tricky because trying to get back to studying, right. And like, what does that feel like after six years of not having to study a single thing? <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. My stomach just like sunk. Oh yeah. I know. When I opened up the study book or uh, the study thing, I, I just realized, you know, I'm, I'm not a great reader in terms of that kind of, uh, uh, learning. So, or at least I've been rusty on it. Right. So it's been a little tricky. Um, but yeah, being able to just kind of get through some of them has definitely built some confidence. Just uh, the Microsoft partnership is is a long path to you know build up towards larger partnership. Being a larger partner with them, there there's some things. We, there's a long road we still have, but yeah, it's it's been exciting to try and at least get you know some of the easy uh, the easy picking on the bottom for it to to grow it. Again, like the best best metaphor. You just speak in metaphors. The energy and flow <laughs> of your metaphors is great. <laughs> Speaking of Microsoft, you kind of alluded to this before, but I kind of, I, I want to zone and focus in a little bit more. Let's get to a fan favorite segment called the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. Yep. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey, can I join your band, man? No. Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. This is where we talk about a campaign or kind of marketing approach that is creative, caught our attention. What, what is it about Microsoft that just really, really resonates with you and helps you out so much as a, as a partner company? Cause you know, as you build, actually, maybe you don't know, but from a development standpoint, <laughs> I right? Probably, I, odds are, I don't know. <laughs> when you're, when you're trying to build a system, whether small, medium, large, massive enterprise, right? There's just so much time and consideration and so many different ways from the planning to the resourcing to what the heck you're even going to build it on. There's just so much thought, let alone in the optimization, right? So that's where, when I was talking about what Microsoft has really done with the Office 365 platform and really the Power Platform as well, is just build a very, very agile process for bringing in either new features, new functionality, um, improving things that you know might've worked very well 80% of the time, but it's that it's that iterative cycle that I think really stands out to me that I, you can just kind of see it as you start looking at the platform every day. You can see their incremental updates. And I, I think that's what the cool part is. It's not built one time and then, well, if you don't pay more money, then you know, you're not getting anything. This is what you get. And then if you stop paying us, you lose all access to everything. Microsoft really doesn't push that route. And if anything, they're much more of we want everyone to be able to use this at as low of a cost as possible. And of course, there's the upsells, right? And, and we help people understand the upsells. But I, I think it's really that core iterative fashion for working on anything. And the fact that they can do that for the whole platform we do it on 
and then enable partners like us to also do our own incremental updates to you know the solutions that are built on top of it. It just seems like such a large orchestrated uh, system <laughs> of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that is actually handled, you know, arguably pretty damn well. And so it's it's that agile fashion of development, just being incremental and not trying to plan, you know, the whole the whole ship on day one. It's hey, let's let's get to the first thing that can show some value, and then let's just take incremental steps from there as it makes sense. And to me, that kind of uh, reasoning being uh, even a little bit identified in someone's development cycle, you know, I, I think that just points towards success. I think so too. It, it kind of feels like they want to be successful as a company, which is it's yeah, curious, maybe. huh? But, but also want to really empower partners like you and, you know, companies that really become such great advocates for them to have success in their own companies and help at other companies as well. It's kind of a lot of companies helping companies on companies when, when you think about it. But yeah, that approach of, of agile innovation and kind of tinkering and, and working on things, adding things as you go, but also making it digestible. I think that's really strong. So it's, uh, it's, it's great to hear how, how strong of a partner they are for you and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to get marketing credits for this, hopefully. So we'll see. <laughs> But let's get to the unusual. So pet peeves, quirks, weird talents. Start off with quirks. What is something family, friends, coworkers, all the above calls you out for? It's a little quirky about your personality, but it's who you are. Storm's going to be storm. (laughs) Uh, I think it's the uh, back and forth between being very incredibly OCD when it comes to design things that some might say don't matter, but my eye just can't allow, you know, kind of the visual dissonance, I'll call it. I've tried to be better and better at, you know, working with my partners and being like, oh, hey, let me just adjust this a little bit and not trying to be like, oh, that looks hideous, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can do something else for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, just just give me a little bit. Just give me a little bit of time in there. So I, I think that's one side that I've been trying to get better at is I very minute OCD sometimes. Um but I, I think also on the other side of that, which is funny, is also that I can just be a very large, big, visionary dreamer kind of uh, mindset. I'm an Aquarius, if that matters to anybody. But uh, that that's really just the other part of my personality is just I love thinking massive, big, dreamy ideas, trying to bring that those, you know, two, four, five year ideas back down to, well, what's today and tomorrow's things we need to do <laughs> is also probably another one of the quirks I've been uh, trying to work on <laughs> the age of Aquarius, just live in the dream. Mm-hmm. How about pet peeves? What is your biggest pet peeve? It might come off snarky, but really just laziness as hard. And as much as going on in the world. And I understand people have a lot that they feel and, you know, are processing and I'm not trying to invalidate, you know, feelings of distress and concern, but to me, laziness is just, it's just an absolute pet peeve of mine because if you're not trying to, you know, get into something, uh, then what are you doing? Um, and it doesn't have to be solving and creating Microsoft too, right? Like it's even just what you do with your day, you got to have some drive in your day. And if you don't have drive, if you're not trying to build drive, it just irks me. And therefore I say, fine, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. (laughs) There's just no reason not to drive towards something in life. You got you to gotta always try and drive towards something. Otherwise, you're just going to have a bad time. 
Shout out Drive by Incubus. I told you to get an Incubus reference in here. So ah, here we there we go. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Squeezed it in. And then what about weird talents? I mean, we've discussed tons and tons of your weird talents. You're like, in weird in a good way, an endlessly talented person. What's another, it could be a party trick or just, you know, something around the house, something that really isn't that important. It really doesn't make much difference, but you just have a knack for it. I'd say uh, juggling is a random talent I picked there up. There you go. Uh, I've been Japanese. Now I just think of it as a normal talent. Um, <laughs> Japanese and juggling. I think those could be weird enough. Maybe I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> Storm the Japanese juggler. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A. You ready for it? Let's do it. All right. Let's get wild. I have a juggling challenge for you. No, I don't. Other than Blackbird, what is your favorite song to play on guitar? Ooh, I would say uh, uh, probably, oh, that's so hard. Oh, drive, Incubus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They, wow, I, I really just handed you a bone last section for that. You can't say Incubus, but <laughs> what is the best concert you've ever been to? And you can't say the Beatles at Shea Stadium. I know you weren't at that. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to say I have two. My first concert I ever went to was uh, when I was, I think, 13, and I went to see Elton John, and that was just incredible. My second favorite has got to be, uh, oh, there's almost a third. Second is Incubus when Light Grenades came out back in like 2007. I know, I'll, I'll give you a third one, but uh, going to the concert, being at the front row and just like pure mashy rowdiness. That was definitely one of my best. And then my third one would be Chance the Rapper when he played Lollapalooza probably four years ago. And just the amount of energy he was able to bring and how happy, you know, how happy he was. And ah, man, almost brings me to tears when you think of that one right now. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can feel the, the range of emotion in your voice. But those are those are three awesome concerts, I'm sure. And each had, you know, a different effect on you, but they all, they all seem very fun. What is a quick tip you can share for ultimate Frisbee? Because I mean, you, you were basically a pro at this. Yeah. I, I played ultimate Frisbee a long time. I love the shout out to the Hoosier mamas at IU. They're my, <laughs> uh, they're my people. And just in general. Yeah. The trick for Frisbee. I mean, man, you, you got to do a lot of running and a lot of sprints. And if you can do that, Catching the Frisbee, I mean, as important as that is, um, I mean, that's critical, of course, but like the sprinting and running. Is <laughs> I would, I would, I would the, hope so. Yeah. Going from soccer to ultimate was definitely uh, a big help. Uh, same thing with basketball to ultimate Frisbee. I'd, I'd recommend anyone wanting or interested, definitely try and play some ultimate Frisbee in your life. It's it's the ultimate uh, Frisbee, I guess. <laughs> and then nice. last one, what is the most spontaneous thing you've ever done okay so <laughs> this has been a good question i i think probably my <laughs> most spontaneous is probably going to the entrepreneurship meeting or the ceo you know the entrepreneurship club meeting at iu and the group was pretty small my what was it my junior year there's only like five or six of us that kind of met up and so i had been in the entrepreneurship club and the tech management club there trying to, you know, build up a little more, like I was saying, my junior year of uh, network and what have you. And so we're sitting there, probably six of us, including Sam George, right? My Cavebox partner. We were sitting there and there, we're kind of just at a loss for what the heck to do because 
We just didn't know how to get this group any bigger than the six of us. And so we we're kind of Joe Denekamp, who was my professor at the time, and who was leading that club. He was just like, hey, so we need a president. You know, in a weird way, it doesn't sound like the craziest uh, spontaneous thing in the world. But I, I think I just kind of in the moment said, I think I can do this. And uh, that kind of triggered a whole range of events after that, which, yeah, with me being the president of the club my senior year and trying to get other companies in. And that kind of fueled me and Sam also running Cavebox more. That decision to just say, why not try and, you know, really commit to, to making this club something. I think that was probably one of my most spontaneous, really looking back. Yeah, shout out Professor Denikamp. I remember those, the early days and, you know, him being involved in, I think by the time I joined, you were already president. So I wasn't in the early, early days, but it had already, maybe a year after that, had come a long way from kind of the six people sitting in a room that you talked about and uh, really cool speakers that had coming in. So lots, lots of great memories from that club. Storm. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful and so fun uh, reminiscing and also learning from you and, you know, hearing about your adventures and, uh, you know, duct tape creations. <laughs> Where is the best place for people to connect with you personally and also to connect and learn more about Kumo Partners? Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I quite frankly hate Facebook um, and Twitter. So don't go there because I don't <laughs> so, care so about Don't contact Storm. No, yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to. <laughs> but LinkedIn, definitely, I'm always, you know, just watching and being aware of the different people I interact with there. Um, definitely can reach me out on LinkedIn, uh, can reach me out on, you know, the, my personal email from the Kumo Partners website. I'm always interested in talking with people, learning how to, how can we help someone else and maybe partner with them or just referrals, right? Um, I, I, I really love just kind of hearing people's businesses and seeing if we can help them or vice versa. So Perfect. Thank you. And last thing, final thoughts here, stages yours. It could be a quote, a line, you know, a Japanese phrase, <laughs> whatever you want. Send us off here. Out of the night that covers me, darks the pit from soul to soul. I think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. Out of the fall clutch of circumstance, I am bloodied but unbowed. Beyond or here, I'll, I'll just give you the last part because I love the it's the Invictus poem. It does not matter how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. I love how Storm started reading the entire poem and then just said, you know, screw it. Here's the Cliffs Notes. Thank you so much, Storm, for coming on the podcast, sharing your tips, your stories, your Beatles renditions. And thank you, Wild Listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite platform and tell a friend about the podcast. You can also find us on Good Pods, where you can find out what some really, really cool people are listening to, including yourself if you're on there. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!